Good evening and welcome back to a summertime edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Not much, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, you have a good trip, good vacation? I did. I did. It was it was very nice to be um oh, I guess on vacation. There's not much more to say. No, 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 no. Not be at work, but be by the water, hanging out, yep. spend time with the family. Yeah, it was it was terrific. Nice. Well, I've got one more trip a couple weeks from now, but Rob and I talked about uh, this weekend, we talked about it's time to turn the corner and look forward to the 2018-2019 uh, JMU athletics year. Uh, we, there are 46 days until the Dukes open the football season in Raleigh against the NC State Wolfpack. Um, quite a few days less than that for a number of the other sports. Um, both soccer teams will be opening up considerably earlier than that, uh, but that's just over six weeks away, people, so... It's time for us to put our thinking caps on and, and get back to work here, right, Rob? Oh, it's about it's a long time coming too, man. Like, I mean, God bless any of you that have listened to any of this garbage. We this should start to be a lot more fun. Um, yes, but, yes. And we start again. This is when it starts to be fun to write and record podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. Not that it's ever a chore, but it's something like there's we have so much to say that we can't help but put out new content. So it's a fun, <laughs> fun time of year. Yep. Um, as always, we are brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing Company in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Um, I need to reconnect with them a little bit. It's been a couple of months since I talked to them. But uh, we are thrilled that they are still with us. And if you could, I got my pint glass out tonight, got my full chair, all my JMU, you know, podcast recording stuff to get back in the groove uh, tonight. So go by the tap room there in Harrisonburg. You mentioned the uh, JMU Sports Blog podcast and you get a free pint glass. Uh, we'll be picking a few up ourselves in just over six weeks. So looking forward to that. Um, another note, just on, on our show and on the content, we might do a second pod this week. So we're excited. Uh, Rob and I are both going. Um, I think the Nats are playing so poorly that Rob agreed it was okay with him to go to the JMU United Nats <laughs> no, I mean, game this weekend. I mean, I'll always go to a baseball game. Right, it's right. not like an NFL experience, like the Redskins, or, or if you go see a team you don't like, the That's NFL, true. or just a chore. I mean, being mm-hmm. at the ballpark is always a good time. So, yeah, I usually make it out to a couple of Nats games a year. Usually, you know, go to the Mets games. But this year, those are kind of best to avoid for anybody who has eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, so we will be there together this weekend. Um, hopefully, we'll see lots of you, um, lots of our friends for JMU out there uh, on Saturday. If the weather holds up and everything turns out well, um, I'm coming from out of town. So I'm begging everyone to uh, plan on an Aslan pop-up trip before the game. So we'll see what happens. Um, but that's a fun time. Had a really good time last year. Looking forward to seeing everybody this week. And if we can, since I'm going to be up in D.C. this week, Rob and I may even make plans to uh, get face-to-face a little bit and work on this thing and maybe even record something on Saturday. So we'll see what happens. Um, I always underestimate the traffic when I come back up there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Over schedule. Yeah. So we'll see. But tonight we are going to focus um, back in on football a little bit. We're going to start with four downs like we usually do during the season. Um, We're going to do the best things we've seen um, this summer from the program. Uh, We're obviously looking at the program from afar, uh, particularly when there's no games to watch or practices to see. Um, But at least since lacrosse won the title, um, you know, just some little odds and ends that Rob and I are really happy with this summer. And then we're going to do an old school, one of our old school blog topics from way back when Um, we're going to do a quick OT tonight of, very hyper-focused on our Generation X folks um, with uh, late 90s Harrisonburg Eats. So that should be fun. Um, 
Rob, I was just thinking about this. You can go anywhere you want with this on the uh, best things this summer or the things we're most excited about um, so far this summer. Um, did you have a first down? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I took it more from that mm-hmm. reasons that I'm excited about JMU football. Sure. And I'm, I'm never short of reasons. Let's, <laughs> that goes without stating. But there's a couple of developments or kind of breaking news or just changes that have me really excited. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one, this might be a little bit kind of geeky or not necessarily JMU related, but the change to the redshirt rule. Oh, yeah. I, I just think – I know this is probably not what people were thinking. Like your <laughs> talk. And we've got some more specific JMU ones uh, on tap. But I just think this is really, really cool for a program like JMU that has been fortunate to play a lot more games mm-hmm. than other FCS programs mm-hmm. and also fortunately has been in a lot of uh, games in kind of the out-of-conference portion of the schedule that are, that are snoozers, that are blowouts. Uh, the new rule is you can play up to – you can see action in up to four games and still mm-hmm. hold your red shirt. And I just think this is going to be great for all of FCS, but particularly for teams like JMU or, you know, North Dakota state or teams that make deep playoff runs year after year. Yeah. Um, that is obviously a blessing. We, we wouldn't trade that for anything, nor would any of the coaches or players involved, but it does wear you down. And, and with the kind of smaller roster sizes compared to FBS programs, I just think this is great. I think you can get guys some reps maybe early in the season to see if they're ready, mm-hmm. you know, and hypothetically speaking, you know, against a Norfolk state or maybe, you know, in the fourth quarter, right. maybe you get some guys in there, get them a couple reps and don't really have that, that kind of downside that you would in years past where you can, you know, okay, this guy might be ready to compete second half, or maybe you need to start getting this, this guy on more reps in practice with the first team or second team. Um, but also if you have in-game injuries or even just late season injuries, mm-hmm. it allows you to bring in backups. Um, just just a, for that specific role to fill in when necessary and then go back to being a red shirt. The obvious example here being, you know, the Cole Johnson situation from a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, or even Brian Shore. Oh, know, yeah. Playing behind Van Lee. He, he could have had another year. So I just think it's really exciting because we've got so many good recruits coming in and so many returning players ready to compete. Um, it kind of extends that, that competition even further down the roster. So I think it's going to be huge. And I think it's something that – programs like JMU and particularly coaches like Mike Houston are really going to be able to take advantage of. Yeah, that's a great point, Rob. I hadn't thought about that one. And I, um, it's great for JMU and for the quote unquote big boys of SES, you know, who have deeper rosters and stuff, but I got to think it's good for almost every level. I mean, it's got to be better for players education in the sense of guys are going to get to play a little bit early in their careers. I think that's, you got to think maybe that's going to uh, sort of minimize the incentive to transfer or the, desire to real quickly get out of there, you know, to see that you're getting an opportunity and maybe you kind of stick with the program when you, some guys might not. And I, and the injury thing is huge. I think, um, you know, I think JMU kind of plays the traditional FCS schedule where they open with a big program every year. You know, there would be no need to rush back a guy who maybe ended the season with an injury last year or something in, in the way that there might've been before. I mean, you have more guys available to fill that spot. And I think about the teams like in the SOCOM who play some of the – they play like SEC games late in the season. Late, yeah. Right before the playoffs. And if you've got a big-time player that, you know, is a little bit nicked up and you're getting ready to go to the playoffs, you can sit them if you've got 10 more guys available to put in that game, right? I mean, that's got to be better 
it's got to be better all the way around for the players um, from a safety standpoint, too. I also think it's better from an academic standpoint. Yeah. You know, if, if you do, and we never like to talk about that because it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all about, but these guys are, are college students. And now a situation where maybe if you do need to go in in the end film for somebody injured, it's not like, oh, crap, now I've got, I've got to graduate in four years. You, know? right. you still have that opportunity to maybe mm-hmm. extend your education. And um, we'd all like to think like, oh, everybody should be ready to graduate in four years. It's hard enough to do that when you're not playing football. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's nearly impossible for a lot of guys. I have so much respect for these guys that can, you know, play all four years and graduate on time. That's that's a huge hill to climb. So yeah. I think it's a great change all around, and, and it's really going to help JMU and probably, like you said, pretty much every program at all levels. Yeah, that, it's that's a good one for sure. Um, my fr- second down was uh, for the second year in a row, a few less names than last year. At least we're not getting hyperventilating like we did for Marcus Marshall last year, but the kind of targeted transfers again this year um, give us, I mean, they really are encouraging. I think, uh, you know, we don't know about these guys. We, we didn't follow spring practice closely enough to know for sure who's going to, you know, who's really ready and who's not, but certainly the Wayne Davis transfer from Ohio state at safety, which was probably, I think most people would say a position of need for JMU um, is big. Uh, the Jawan Hamilton transfer at running back from Central Florida, you know, he's only a sophomore and is probably a guy who really is kind of slotting in as a class player. Like it builds some depth for the next couple of years. I don't, I don't know behind, behind Carden and Trey and Marcus this year. I don't know how much time there is to go around. Um, but both of those guys are really exciting. And then Travell Wilson and uh, EJ Morgan, both kind of maybe longer term. I don't know anything about those guys, but um wide receiver and offensive line uh, just another year where Houston seems to have not you know they're not turning into Jacksonville State here and just bringing in piles of transfers but they seem really to wait and be patient and bring in they seem to be able to target players where they need them um, and that's really encouraging going forward well and I think it's neat because they're targeting not just for filling gaps but like you said to kind of balance the classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Davis is a huge gap, but I believe he was trying to compete as a cornerback at Ohio State, or was going to slot in most likely as a okay. safety. Um, that's mm-hmm. huge. The fact that he's not just jumping in and like, oh, you know, here's a guy from the Big Ten from Ohio State. He can name his position. It's like, no, you're going to come in and you're going to compete, and, and you're really going to set us up for next year and the year after. And the same thing with Hamilton. Yep. Um, I think it's awesome you got a guy from Central Florida who I believe was their leading mm-hmm. rusher who now, I mean, <laughs> he's likely to get some playing time, but it's not like you've got him penciled in as no, a I mean, yeah. or even one of the top two yeah. or three. I mean, he could be the fifth back. He could back be a guy year. who yeah. – he could be the fifth yeah. back. You know, we could be having this redshirt right. conversation uh, about him. Or, or, or does that maybe slide somebody like Percy who, who – maybe plays in three or four games and uses a redshirt here. So it's kind of all interconnected, but I do like exactly what you said. It's not Jacksonville State. It's not just a transfer factory. It's like, hey, where can we get guys that are right for our team that are willing to accept the fact that they're not being penciled in as starters mm-hmm. from day one and they want to come compete and be part of a winning yeah. program. Um, it's, it's, that's got me really And we really didn't even talk about Danucci, who just because he wasn't a summer transfer, he came a little earlier in the year. But obviously, yeah, know, that's a great quarterback. Point. Um, it's one of the guys competing. One of the two guys left competing for the starting job seems to be the pit transfer. So, yeah, exciting yeah. year. So how about you for third down, Rob? Well, that, that actually it just mm-hmm. kind of continues what we're saying. The competition yeah. and depth. Um, 
in years past, uh, some of the Mickey Matthews years, and not to offend any of our favorite wide receivers coaches, <laughs> but there, there were some QB, QB competitions there that were not encouraging. Um, I think many of us thought that they were maybe unnecessary, and you know, I, I'll go to my grave thinking Dudzik should have been the starter. <laughs> um, but like this one doesn't seem scary. It seems like Danucci and Cole Johnson are, are both comfortable with the idea of competing for the job. Um, I don't think we're going to have a situation where either one of the guys runs away from the program. Um, I think they're willing to embrace it. And I view this more as like a, as a Lazat and Riscotti type mm-hmm. competition where it's really just going to bring out the best in mm-hmm. both guys and whoever emerges, I think it will have earned the job and earned the respect of all teammates. So I'm actually really confident going, going into the season about the quarterback. Yeah, we can't talk enough about, uh, right. Not just quarterback, but just the idea that Houston, he seems to have created a culture where the players are not afraid of that competition. Right. Where, they where they want to be a part I mean, of just like we're saying, like, like not necessarily like I have to play every play or I have to be the star, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and you look at like the defensive mm-hmm. backs we just talked about, um, you got a guy like Davis coming in and then, um, yep. Amos is, is probably gonna be the other guy starting with him. But then you got Mike Cobbs, Adam Smith, uh, Hamilton, other guys really who are going to provide that depth and really be pushing each other every day in practice. Then the corners, <laughs> I mean, you got Jimmy F and Moreland, Rashad Roberts, Curtis Allen, Charles Tutt, like, how are you going to throw against that? I have no idea. Um, running back. Yeah. I mean, goodness gracious. Uh, I'd argue our top five guys could likely start on all, but maybe a handful of other CAA programs. Yeah, I don't think. I, yeah, I think and, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it, there's so much competition. And the guys, it doesn't seem to be a locker room where there's animosity. It seems to be kind of this one for all mm-hmm. mentality. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's the culture that everybody's always wanted all coaches mm-hmm. speak to, but it seems like Houston and his assistants have actually yeah. built it. And I've been excited the past couple of years, but this is the first year I really feel like we're seeing exactly what a Mike Houston program is, is going to look like. I mean, we, it's been terrific the past mm-hmm. two years, but it still was kind of transitionary and okay, well he did it year one. What's going to be in year two. And, year two. and now we're like, okay, this is not smoke and mirrors. This is the yeah. real deal. And they've got guys, you know, from the assistant coaches on down who buy into every aspect of it and want to compete and are here to, to win championships. Yeah, that team so. thing. I don't know. Did you see that video of the kid who's like a – what is he? Our, yeah. Jake O'Donnell? Freshman. Yeah. That, that was great. Awesome was so that? for anybody that didn't see, there's a video of – there's an incoming freshman at JMU. Incoming freshman, right? He doesn't have another year. He, he's a walk-on. Yeah. He's like a preferred walk-on. So this isn't even like some sort of four-star no. recruit. or And that's not no. to say that – he right. won't be a starter or contributor, but this isn't, this doesn't appear to be fake. Like they're just hamming it up to, to attract some guy or, or to butter no, some guy. He's an out. incoming quarterback uh, for the Dukes. Um, obviously he's going to be well down the depth chart this year, but he's playing in this, I don't know what it's called. The world cup of football or something. It's like a team USA yeah. <laughs> high school, all-star team kind of a thing, high school, college. I'm not, we're not exactly sure, but they played in kind of an international tournament and obviously they're mowing down competition from belgium and wherever i think they beat up <laughs> right and uh and he's playing in this competition and uh, there was a video just a short little clip online this week of a bunch of jmu players sort of at jmu clearly in some ghetto old eagle hall dorm room or something you know watching his game on the computer and all celebrating when he scores a touchdown and uh it's, again, here's a guy who's not even fully a part of the program yet, you know, not in Harrisburg and they're all supporting him. It's pretty cool to see. 
Yeah. So, how about also, you? Also, also yeah. kind of speaks to the uh, the culture of, of of summertime. Yeah, it does. We, right now that World Cup's over, we got to we got to yeah. get back. Yeah, got to find something to look for. Yeah. No, so that's so now Europe was that your was that oh, your no, third or the transfers and then you did. Um, I did oh, the yeah, the yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. My big, my last fourth down thing was just really, again, the. I mean, we could talk about the team support a little bit, but um, it, this is a fan one. I, I know I always end up here, but just the kind of consistent build. Uh, you know, two years ago when Houston got there, I think everybody was skeptical. You know, people had been really fired up for the Wizard Withers years, kind of the change getting out of a long term relationship with Mickey. And people were really excited, and game day came, and people were excited, and obviously both years ended in um, really stinging disappointment for the program under Withers, to the point where I think a lot of us were really disillusioned at that point, uh, wondering what was going to happen. And Houston came in, and obviously that year turned into, you know, one of the two magical seasons in JMU football history, and got the program fully back in, in terms of fan support. And last year, I think everyone knew what we had coming back, and everyone was just convinced we were going to win again. And it was easy to support the program and to see it keep building last year. Um, but this year you can tell it's kind of setting in to stay. Um, not that it hasn't been staying for a while, but it's exciting to see all these things, whether it's, you know, JMU nights at major league games, you know, the Orioles or the Nats, people getting excited, or obviously now we're starting to see all the events for the NC state game. People are really excited. Um, you know, fans complaining about parking and that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, really the, the hallmarks of a true, of a true fan culture. And uh, yeah, I guess I should say on, on that note, Rob and I are pretty thrilled with the way parking worked out for us over there in D lot with, with all of our friends, uh, but we'll see. But I just, I've been really encouraged by, um, and I, I, you know, Rob, we, we're not, we're going to stay on football tonight. Um, but even the way that I think, the extension of JMU fan culture for the football team is starting to extend to people being more conscious of other things going on at the university. And I think that's a really good thing in the long term for the university. Forget the football program. Yeah, I think so too. And you speak, I guess, kind of the front porch model of athletics, right. you know, being the front porch for university. It does create greater engagement, um, both for kind of funny things like, or silly things, you know, like, nice at the ballpark, right. but also some of the more serious issues we've seen discussed online. And I think that's all good. I think mm -hmm. anytime you have a community um, paying attention, mm -hmm. maybe it starts with football, it starts with basketball, but then it causes them to kind of examine different aspects of student life or, or problems or good things on campus and get more involved. That's only a positive. Yeah. Um, so yeah. That, that's it. There's a lot of trouble today with, with college sports, mm -hmm. but we're starting to see some of the good stuff as well. Well, and yeah, um, I, I and mean, look, maybe the, the more a, significant involvement of alums is, is, is good by any stretch. Absolutely. And, you know, look, it, we don't know. We're fans doing a podcast. It could be a mirage, but we haven't heard much out of the program this summer. Um, we know a couple guys kind of left the program at the end of the year last year or left the university, but those seem to be related, you know, to either academics or just lack of opportunity on the field. Um, you know, we haven't heard some of the things we heard in the, say, 07 to 2012 era, right? No, that's, that's why it's nice to see guys 
from from the middle-aged fan perspective. Yes. It's really nice to see guys in a dorm room watching a future teammate rather than whatever they used to do right. you know, under the old regime. Right. Nobody's stealing from the library or anything right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, or at least that we know of. So that we, yeah. we love that. Yeah. So that's good to hear. Um, you got anything else there, Rob? Any bonuses? Uh, no, I mean, that, that was pretty much it. It's, I mean, yeah. obviously recruiting, which we'll probably tackle. With yeah, more knowledgeable, that was my but, other one. Yeah. But they have seven commits at this point, uh, including a couple three stars. And to hear them in their quotes and the articles you read about them, um, speaking the very same things we've just been talking about, you know, yeah. just buying into the culture and the fact that they want to come here and compete and they want to be a part of a winning program and how it's bigger than them. It's, just, it's nice that the message is consistently driven throughout um, – all aspects of the program and for better or worse. I mean, we're chasing North Dakota state. And one of the things about that has been their ability to do, to sell. I mean, we always say like, can you sell, you know, we have all this wonderful stuff to sell at JMU, but the proof is kind of in the pudding. Like it's a lot easier to sell when you see it actually taking place. Like Mm -hmm. they're winning, they're getting to championships. They're being on TV. Guys are getting chances in the NFL. Suddenly all that stuff about you can get a chance in one double A just as much as sitting on the bench at Maryland. It all makes a lot more sense to young players, I think. Yeah, it's so, not theoretical anymore. Right, it's not at all. No, you're seeing these guys and, and what the results can be. So, yeah, that's a pretty cool way to wrap up our first four downs of the summer. Um, yeah. So we don't, have, we don't have much. I think we're just going to do about four of these. Um, years and years and years ago, 2009, 2010, sometime when we started the blog, um, I think we went rather in-depth on this topic. But Rob and I are just going to kind of list a few of our favorite – Harrisonburg eateries from the uh, late 90s, our, our time in school. So, you know, anyone younger than us, sorry about this tonight. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rob, you want to go in reverse order from number four or something? I don't know. Oh, I only have four yeah. on my list. So, I'm, I'm trying to find mention. my list right now. Yeah. I actually did make a list. Yep. Um, I guess, uh, it, I don't know, my order might be a little messed okay. up, but the Blimpy's best. From, from, the blimp, the blimpy. Yes. from the Blimpy on Port Republic. Like, and this was the unicorn Blimpy. Like, I realize Blimpy it, is not a terrific sandwich place. And no <laughs> argument for me. It's not great. But I'm telling you, the one on Port Republic, which was then became like a Dave's Express. And then mm-hmm. now is, I don't know what, just like a gas station. Mm-hmm. That was the greatest Blimpy there ever has been and ever will be. Yes. And no I doubt. don't know what they did. It strikes Other donuts than, now. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But I mean, probably what they did, they're situated next to the drunkest um, <laughs> housing developments yes. in, in the Shenandoah Valley. But I swear to God, those sandwiches really were good. And the Blimpy's Best and the Blimpy's Roast Beef were better. Even though one crossed town that was over by Waffle House couldn't compare. It no. was like just two different food groups, uh, nothing. So that Blimpy's Best sandwich um, was one of my favorites and something I will <laughs> always remember fondly and it's probably good. I'll never get to taste it again because it might not live up to the hype. Yeah, and my waistline um, definitely uh, took a hit yeah. in college from that uh, the location of that blimpy. So, yeah, I, I didn't quite remember that with all the same fondness, although I did at the time. Oh, yeah, I love that. Um, and what were the, what were the things? What were the what was it, blimpy bluffins or something? Oh yeah, the they had like a breakfast stuff. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. That was yeah. good too. Yeah, you could go all out there. Um, but trust us, that was not a regular Blimpy. Rob is exactly right about that. I've, I've never seen another one anywhere ever overloaded that way. No. Yeah. Um, mine was just a straight JM's pretzel order. Yes. So, um, JM's not known for 
its culinary delights, um, much more known for its dime drafts on Thursday night, um, preceding a Puddle Duck or Mr. Green Jeans appearance. Yep. Um, but yeah, you could order from JMs, and they were open pretty late. And uh, that was back when carbs were a thing, were you know, were still in vogue. Right? You could you could eat all the pretzels you want because they were fat free. So um, yeah, I just that was a easy one for me to pick off. I actually, I think James was underrated food. It probably oh. was. I, it was kind of, you were a little bit more in the wheelhouse. It was kind of fading by the time I was 21. And so yeah. I just didn't really go there and eat food much. I, as I don't think I ever ate there. Right. But I used to order like, they tried to get into the keg delivery business. Oh yeah. My sophomore, junior, must be my junior you year. You can't compete with Sanjeev. No. No. <laughs> and so the way they did this, was essentially just to bribe people um, from fraternities and sororities. So I was our fraternity social chair at the time, and they knew this. They had a full list of all the fraternity social chairs, and they called us all up. This, this wasn't email. literally was calling us. You mm-hmm. know, being like, hey, and so all the fraternities and sororities, socials, you need to come to this meeting or happy hour. And they proceeded to give us free drinks for a couple hours. <laughs> And then give us VIP cards. We walk out. And they made a point of saying, now, what name should we put on your VIP card? And I was like, put my name. And they're like, are you sure you don't have another ID that should have the VIP card? <laughs> and, so they presume, and these VIP cards gave us, I think we had $2 pitchers anytime we were there, oh. no cover, and we got either 10 or 20% off food. <laughs> and so I'll be like, Dorf and I were both socials. And these tags were more expensive than Sanjeev, but we made a point of like throwing them in order like once a month just so we can kind of stay on the payroll. Yes. And it was great. And so like every couple of weeks they'd call us up and be like, Hey, why don't you come down tonight with a couple of your friends? And it would be like all of Greek row. And they would just give us, you know, it's like mind erasers or like terrible drinks. <laughs> like you'd never order a million years. Yeah. And it would probably cost them $13 or something like that. But we felt like we were big shots and we'd continue to, to order. But long story short, the food that I, actually started ordering with my discount uh-huh. was not bad. The Jojo dog and the jerky turkey, like oh. the deli sandwiches to yes. get delivered and the pretzels. Mm-hmm. It was good stuff for the bird. And it was like, you know, two fifty with my fake VIP card. <laughs> That's great. I did not have that special treatment. Mm. Um, what, what's your next one, Rob? Um, can we get chicken pita at Dave's? Oh yeah. I mean, I think it's Gus's slash Dave's. Yeah. Gus's, yeah chicken whatever. pita and the spinacopita, right? Spinacopita, I mean, That's certainly um, in my top three. For sure. The junior cheeseburger, you know, the, oh, the yeah. junior burger. Right. I mean, that was, that was legitimately good food. Like, that's something I continued to get for tailgates as an alum. Mm-hmm. You know, we go back and pick oh, it yeah, up. So that, that isn't like, I think Joe Posnanski talks about pixie foods, like the candies from when you're a kid that just oh, yeah. don't live up to the hype. No. Like, yep. Yeah. This was not like a pixie food equivalent of college food. It actually was really good. That's good eats. Yeah, we kind of missed that place. And we have like a Greek place in town here that kind of does take out like, like, it reminds me a lot of that in that way. Yeah. And I still obviously enjoy that, the chicken pita and some spinacopita. So yeah, yeah definitely a good one. Um, I, I, you'll probably, I'll leave number one for you, but I mean, obviously Spanky's for me was a, it was a big one. Um, I don't know. Just, that was the one that had a, I mean, it was kind of the, now there's like a million, you know, it was like a cheap lost dog, right? Like a yeah. poor, and like a was- million different sandwiches. And, you know, you could go there, like if your parents were in town, but you could also go there with friends and, you know, I don't know, mess around. I feel like, like yeah. you, could, you could go there for drinks and hang out. I mm-hmm. felt like that was one of those places when everyone went with somebody, 
they had a roommate or a suite mate or an ex roommate who was a waiter. Rich Briz. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you always knew somebody there. Yeah. Um, who was working, and they seemed to be rather generous with their tabs. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, like you said, it was kind of like the the precursor to Lost Dog. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't it tied to was it McAdoo's? Yeah. So there's Virginia Tech. Mac, and, and actually now there's a McAdoo's in Harrisonburg. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming that's the same, you know, some new reincarnation of that same franchise. Um, we actually have been there, right? We've been there quite a bit as, as adults now to the newer McAdoo's um, over there. I don't know, over by the Marriott, basically. So, yeah, that was a good one. Do you have any more there, Rob? Well, I guess you've got to say Waffle House. Oh, you're right. Well, the Waffle House, that was not – oh, that's a good, good answer. I mean, like that's – you and I grew up in Northern Virginia. Yeah. No, but Waffle House was not a thing. We're just – that's what you can tell that Northern Virginia is not really the South. Yeah. I think you've got to go – to about where... 40, 40 miles from here, maybe to Fredericksburg or right. something, which Gaster and I actually did summer after freshman year one night. We were aboard <laughs> Craven Waffle House. Um, but that was kind of like an introduction into Waffle House and Waffle House culture for me. And I still love it. It was a big deal when I lived in Atlanta. I've taken my friends, I mean, my, my kids there when we go down to oh. North Carolina. So, it remains um, the greatest. It, it is. It's yeah. good food. Yeah. Um, there's a great... Anthony Bourdain, Sean Brock scene. I don't know if you no reservations where Sean Brock brings Anthony Bourdain. They're both hammered oh, yeah. to Waffle House. Mm-hmm. And they kind of talk about how that is kind of the epitome of, of Southern culture in a good way. It's not ironic. Like, hey, right. this is a good thing. Like, it welcomes everybody. Yeah. You can always count on a reliable plate of food, same service. Yeah. Um, so Waffle House is good. But then in terms of unique to Harrisonburg, yeah, I got to go with Luigi's. Yeah, we got to go Luigi's number one, right? That's yes. number one, right? Yes, yes absolutely. No doubt about it. it. I mean, you talk about food overwhelming slow service. <laughs> um, that was good pizza. And that's another place that's been gone for a lot of years. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I wish I could go back and like figure out if the pizza really was as good as I remembered it. Yeah, this was like way, it seemed way like down. way out of town at the time. I think today's campus and everything, it probably wouldn't feel quite as far. Um, but it was quite a ways out there. I mean, it felt like you were going to Broadway or something. Yeah, it was down there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, this was the ultimate, you know, sort of another one that's probably a, a poor, you know, I don't know. This was like a rich man's mellow mushroom, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was the same like kind of psychedelic stoner theme to the Luigi's place. And the uh, staff at Luigi's <laughs> took that very seriously. Yeah. It was much more authentic yes. in that regard. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, geez, it, you, the cooler out back or the cauldron where they kept the keg yeah. was like Spicoli's van yeah. from Fast Times. Yes. The waiters were always being like, oh, I got to change the keg. And they'd disappear for 35 minutes. Right. And then it would just come back. I mean, it looked like a smoke out, like, <laughs> like they were smoking pigs back there. Right. But it definitely, there was no whole hog cooking going on. No, but they didn't mess around with the pizza toppings. So No. Yeah. Well, that, I mean. And the pitchers. <laughs> if you want people making your pizza, I mean. Yeah. Come on now. Come on now. That's a pretty you good You can way choose to do worse it. people than stoners. Yes, yes, you can. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, the pizza peddlers never quite delivered the same way. <laughs> they also had, like, real beer at the time. And oh, they, they had, like, beer Sierra beer. Nevada or something, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you could get, like, Sierra Nevada or, um, what was that beer? Newcastle. Newcastle, yes. had, Which, yeah. at the time, was, like, a big deal. Like, Nobody or, had that, yeah. Or probably, like, Pete's Wicked Ale or something like that. Honey but, Brown. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. But you weren't, it wasn't just the natural light and beast light that you get everywhere else in town. No, Luigi's was, uh, no, no doubt about it. I think that both of our e- easy, clear winner for that oh, yeah. category. And for everyone younger than us, you missed out. 
and um, you, you really can keep did. talking to us about uh, Buffalo Mash and this junk. Yeah, it's <laughs> not the same. No, sorry. But we've kept it pretty tight tonight, Rob. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. Welcome back, everybody. We will try to pick this up pretty, pretty uh, consistently from here on out. There's one week early August. We may take one more week off, but generally we're going to try to stick with it and sort of build towards football. Um, we're going to have some guests, we hope, in August. We know some of you have reached out um, about with ideas for guests and stuff like that. We certainly have been listening, even if we haven't been um, interacting too much about it. So, And I think the general plan, football season, we're – you know, yeah. we got a lot more to talk about, but I think clearly it's easier to get guests who uh, can come on and be prepared to talk and, and have some good, good conversations. I know. Well, our buddy Chase has been killing it. I mean, he's just been oh, he's doing pumping great. out JMU content over there at Hero Sports. So that's great to see. And uh, I saw Bennett. And, and, you know, actually and speaking of die. friends, just yeah, yeah just uh, shout out to Josh Whalefish, who's moving on. Oh uh, yeah, DNR viewers. He's a former guest on the podcast and did a outstanding an outstanding job covering JMU basketball mm-hmm. past couple years. He's moving on up to I think the Hampshire Gazette. Yeah, he's gonna be covering UMass. Uh, mm-hmm. Sad to see him go, but happy for him. He'll do a great job. And uh, he and and Medea just really have had top notch coverage. Thankfully, we still have Greg. Yep. And we look forward to, to him being around, hopefully for a lot longer. But um, sure. just congratulations to Josh. We really enjoyed not only having you on the podcast, but uh, reading all your coverage the past couple of years. Yeah, Josh, um, thank you so much. We definitely enjoyed it. And, I, you know, I think it's fair to say, Rob, Josh might have been, um, of all the guests we've had, he, he might have enjoyed it the most. Yeah. Like doing it with us and talking with us. And we really had a good time with him. Um, and he seemed to really genuinely uh, enjoy spending the time. So, can't thank him enough, and, and best of luck to Josh as he takes off of up north to cover a worse football team than JMU. Yes, but I think he's, I think he's from I think Boston, so. Oh, so. no, and I'm sure it's so – I mean, those jobs, I mean, it's the market, and you've got to move when you get the chance, I think. Yeah, them. definitely. So I but understand. We were happy to have him, though we did. Absolutely. So without further ado, Rob, you want to take us out? Um, yeah, well, once again, just thank you, everybody. Uh, we're 47 or 48 days from football season, mm-hmm. so – we're almost there and get, getting down to light at the end of the tunnel time. Yep. Thanks to Pale Fire and Go Dukes.